Amen. Amen. All right. I want to invite you to open the Word of God with me and turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to shift gears today. And we've been talking about evangelism and spreading the gospel, spreading the good news, sharing the good news. It's the best story that can ever be told. Uh, but coming to Christ, we need to focus on this. This is one thing that we, we've found that needs emphasis because sometimes we want to help people find the Lord and know the Lord so that they can be saved and know they have eternal life. But that's just the beginning. That we become Christ followers. Another word is disciple. And not just a little bit, okay? So I want to talk about all in discipleship. And that's something that I say, like, are we all in? Not just, you know, playing games. And Jesus talked about that. He had a lot of people kind of follow him around, it seemed like. But they weren't real followers. I don't know if you remember years ago, we did the Bible study with Kyle Eidelman called Not a Fan. And so some of this kind of comes from that. Uh, but we all did that together. That's been like 10 years ago. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, we had small group studies, we did messages, we watched the videos, we did all of that. And, uh, but that was the big emphasis that a lot of people want to cheer Jesus on and yay Jesus, yay for Jesus. But when it comes down to really making the decision of being all in and a follower, that we find out that a lot of people are just fans of Jesus and not willing to be followers of Jesus. And so here's what Jesus said about that. Are you ready to read it with me? In Matthew chapter 9, verse 23. Uh, Luke chapter 9. See, you're, I just, now I did that, Wayne, to see if you were listening. Yeah, right. <laughs> you never know when you're going to have to actually help with the message, okay? All right, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And I'm going to read from the English Standard Version that the ESV, you follow along, all right? But it's important to have the word open and read with me. It says, and he said to all, so that's all those people who were around him, if anyone would come after me. Now, to come after me means to follow me, be a real follower. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Let's just stop right there for now. All in. Those are words coming from Jesus. I mean, he gives us an open, an open invitation to salvation. But there's also an open invitation to follow him. And that's what it means to be a disciple. Did you know that? A disciple technically is, the word means a student. That's exciting, isn't it? 
And in those days, uh, a learner, a student, in those days, the students of the teachers or rabbis, they actually would live with them and follow them. I mean, literally, they followed them and were with them as they went from place. They kind of like lived life with them. So they were teaching them, and then there was the practical part of, of being with them as they, as, as they lived out all of these teachings. Now, the famous Jewish rabbis, it was really tough to get, you know, to get on the hook for being one of their disciples. Because, like, you had to have qualifications. You probably had to have certain education. If you wanted to be with this rabbi to be a disciple, it was kind of like, you know, kind of like, is even harder than getting into some colleges. I mean, you really had to meet certain criteria. But now here's this Jesus. Now, as we know, he's not just a teacher or a rabbi, a self-proclaimed rabbi. We know he's the son of God. But everybody there, they didn't quite understand this at that time. And he's inviting anyone and everyone to come follow him. That was, you just need to know this. As far as rabbis and their tradition and culture goes, that was almost like unheard of. Now, John the Baptist had created quite a stir with his, well, you know, just unorthodox at the time antics of being out in the wilderness, dressing the way he did, preaching the way he did, and doing the baptism that he did. But it was calling people's attention to repentance. It was calling people's attention to the coming kingdom of God. It was calling people's attention to the king who would be coming, the anointed one, the Messiah. And now here Jesus shows up and um, he's doing things in such an unorthodox way. But you need to understand that and understand that disciples actually lived with and followed the teacher. And, um, and that was true of Jesus' disciples as well. In fact, way over in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, people for the first time started calling the disciples Christians because these disciples were trying to be so much like Christ. So they called them Christians. So if you're a real Christian, you should be a disciple. As far as scripture is concerned, there's no such thing as someone who is a Christian but not really a disciple. No, it's the same. And that means you are a disciple, you are a student, you are a follower of Christ. And so a key verse that we used when we were doing these studies years ago is this that we've looked at today. It's what I call one of Jesus's all-in statements. That's what I want to look at for a moment. Now, <clears throat> the verse that I read, verse 23, and I'm going to repeat it a couple times. It's not quite as popular as, say, um, John 3, 16, right? And we love that. You see people still sometimes at a ball game, you'll see people holding up the sign, John 3, 16. And I've always wondered at people who have never grown up knowing the Lord, they don't know anything about the Bible, they don't know the names of any of the books of the Bible, I wonder what they think that means. You know, it's almost like we're talking code to each other, right? Oh, I'm a Christian. But anyway, uh, but we love this John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave this gift so that we could be saved, not have to perish, but we can have everlasting life if we put our faith in him. That is powerful. And that's an open invitation. Whoever, right? That, you put your name there. 
It's anyone and everyone. But I don't see people at ball games holding up Luke 9.23. I don't think I've ever seen that. Let me read it again. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You don't see that. It's just not as popular. You get it? I mean, yeah, I want to be saved. I want to have everlasting life. But deny yourself? We don't do very good with that these days. Take up a cross? Do you realize when Jesus said that, the only people, this is their, you know, like you think, oh, the cross is such a glorious thing. No, in that day, their frame of reference, when Jesus said that, and that's how we have to understand, we have to understand what they understood whenever they first heard it. And whenever you would have heard that, the only image of a cross was something more hideous than a hangman's noose or an electric chair. It was an instrument of execution. And it was like the most torturous, horrible thing that had ever been devised. So if you saw someone carrying a cross, it only meant one thing. They were going to their death. It was a one-way journey. You carrying a cross, you don't come back. You need to get that image in your head because too many times we want to interpret the Bible the way it might, you know, like according to our own culture. And I want to tell you, this is thousands of years ago in a different culture, a different language. They didn't even put cornbread in their milk back then. You know, I don't even think they'd figured that out like we do around here. Uh, but anyway, so it's a whole different place, a whole different time. Uh, so here's what we need to know. Both verses are important. Both are vital. Because John 3.16 emphasizes believing. You must be born again. That's how you enter God's kingdom. That's how you become a disciple. All right? You've got to put your faith in Christ and who he is and what he's done for you. Instead of trusting your own works or religion to save you, you're trusting in what God himself has provided through Christ. On the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, payment for your sins. Victory over sin to give you new life. All right. So John 3.16 emphasizes believing or faith. Luke 9.23 emphasizes following. All right. Here's what we need to remember. I know some of you say, I've heard you say this before. I need to say it again. There's no true believing without following. There's really no John 3.16 without Luke 9.23. Because if you're not willing to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him, do you really believe? You just kind of believe? Or do you, are you really a Christ follower? Or, or listen, here's, here's the study we did, remember? An Eidelman study that we did. Are you really a Christ follower? Are you really a believer? Are you really a Christian? Or are you just a fan? Because here's what we know. Is that after Jesus said this, he said some tough things. You know what the fans did? They went home. They turned back. They went home. And so that's the whole thing about discipleship. Is are we all in or not? So uh, I want to repeat this again. It's an open invitation. Think about that. Jesus used words like anyone, if anyone wants to follow me in Luke 9, 23. And whoever 
in, uh, in verse 24. Whoever would save his life. In John 3.16, whosoever or whoever believes in him. He used words like that. So anyone, if anyone would come after me, whoever would, would follow me. All of this, it's all inclusive. <laughs> That's awesome. The, these words are available for everyone. There is nobody, there is no one that is excluded from this. It doesn't matter your size, your shape. Your color, your language, your social status. It doesn't matter how good you smell or bad. It doesn't matter your sinful past, what you've done. Nothing matters. The invitation is for you. No matter who you are, where you are, where you've been, what you've done, it's an open invitation that you can accept, if you haven't already, at any time. The invitation stands. A lot of people think that they're not invited, maybe not invited because, well, I've done this or I was that or I did that. They may think that and they feel like somehow they're disqualified. Well, Jesus says that's not true. That's why he says, whosoever, in John 3, 16, believes can have everlasting life. You know what? That's the best offer in the universe. There's nothing like that. He paid it all. All you've got to do is receive the gift that he paid for. You receive it by faith. And guess what? There are no hidden strings attached. They're not. He pretty well tells us the whole thing. He even tells us there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be struggle. There's no strings attached. There's no hidden catch that he failed to tell us about. There's no fine print in here. There's no fine print in, in, that's too small to actually read. There are no hidden fees. Just like when Wayne sold his bird dog that time. He said there's no strings attached and no hidden fleas. Right, I mean, fees. There's, it's, it's all there. It's all open. And if you take a close look at his disciples, then you would have known they were a good example that anyone means everyone. I mean, have you thought about this lately? When word gets out that a new rabbi is out there, and it seems like he's just picking followers at random. I mean, uneducated country boys. Fishermen. I mean, to the big shots in Jerusalem, that was just so uncouth, right? I know a lot about being uncouth. I've been accused of being uncouth many times. I've never had anybody actually say to me, you know what? That was couth. It's usually like uncouth. Is there such a thing as just couth? All right, that's the word study for later, okay? I'm just curious about that. But that's what these disciples, I mean, they, it, what, picking these guys at random, I mean, and it seemed like such a, a weird mixture. Uh, but he's saying things that no one has ever said. He's doing things that no one's ever done. He's working miracles like no one ever had. People are wondering, what's up here? And they came and to hear this incredible teacher named Jesus, but they must have looked at his disciples and thought, wow, who are these guys? I mean, these guys have no qualifications. They're, they're nobodies, right? Well, a nobody is also a somebody who can be an anybody and part of everybody. Eh? 
Some of them, like, used to be fishermen. And look at them. You can tell. You know, they, you can tell by looking at them. Just like some of us, you can tell. It don't matter how fancy we try to be. Me and Curtis have said that. We go out to a fancy restaurant. It's not long before there. Somebody would, if that, that knows anything would say, you know what? I think both of those boys were raised on a farm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't take long. You can't hide it, can we? Uh, especially when you go to a really nice steak restaurant and Curtis grabs a hold of the waiter and says, hey, feller, feller, you got any ketchup I can put on this? <laughs> And then the guy says, uh, sir, we don't serve ketchup here. He goes, yeah, don't. <laughs> What's wrong? Haven't you figured this out? <laughs> Got to put ketchup on it. Anyway, I'm just glad he didn't go there and order a bologna sandwich, right? Amen? Amen? Sorry, I'm picking on you. I'm sorry. You can take your shot at me later on. Okay. So, uh, you know, so you have some of these guys that were real, listen, they were radical political activists. Because we got all this division today coming, and you know what, the pandemic has heightened it, and it's just like, it's just everywhere. And that's what I've said, is one of the main tools that Satan uses is division. Um, but look at these guys. Remember Simon the Zealot? Have you studied who the Zealots were? They were a radical group Politically, that they were trying to overthrow the Roman government. They're trying to get a revolution going. Then you got a guy named Levi, also named Matthew. Guess what he did? Worked for the Roman government. And as a Jew, you were like a traitor. How could these guys even get along in a group? You see how miraculous that was? See how powerful that was? See the assortment of people? The only, and they were all from Galilee except one. And he was probably the most seemingly qualified. And his name was Judas. He's the only one from Judah. So you have this group of ragtag guys. And, and, and so you would think, wow, what a, what a strange mix. So here's where we often struggle as a church. I just want to throw this in there. We talk a good game a lot. And uh, we have to ask ourselves, do we really buy into this thing that we're seeing from Jesus here, that this is for anyone. Do we really? We say it, we talk about it, but do we really, really believe it? I mean, if we're not careful, <clears throat> we kind of like church the way, the way it's always been. Hmm? I mean, we've had a lot of changes through the years here. But if we're not careful, we just kind of like, you know, the way things have always been. Now watch this. We prefer things to stay the same. You know, and I'm getting older and, you know, change is tougher. I thought I'd at least get one amen there. As you get older, change is more difficult. But that's natural. We like things to stay the same. And some traditions and habits are good. There's some things you can do without thinking, and that's the problem. A lot of times we just come here, we go through it. We want it to be the same. We want it to be exactly right. We can just do this without thinking, and it's easy. It's comfortable. But here's the problem. If we're not careful, that sameness, and that means it's not Scripture. It's not scriptural or it's not spiritual. It's not spirit-led, but it's just the way we like things, the way we do things. If we're not careful, then that becomes our standard. More so than just this. Do you see how that happens? 
I mean, it's just automatic. It's the way we creatures are. That that sameness of the way we like things and the way things have been becomes our unspoken standard. And then that becomes the unwritten qualification to be a part of our group. And a lot of people feel like maybe they're not qualified because they come from the wrong background or that they dress differently or this or that. Well, listen, Jesus didn't come to call. Jesus didn't come to call the qualified. He came to qualify the called. I know you've heard that before, but that's true. This is what happens if we're not careful. Um, Jesus knew that's the way it would go with us. So in these verses, he reminds us that there are no qualifications like that. That anyone means everyone. Do you get it? Anyone means everyone. No one is excluded. I know, here we are saying it again. We gotta be careful with it because you can talk a good game. But when it comes down to it, we found out that when we get uncomfortable, we get to squirm in a little bit. And everybody may not feel welcome. All right? So I have to ask maybe some churches, and I hope not us, could be though, when we say, welcome, everyone, welcome, do we need to do it like this? Do you see that? Do you see that? Everyone welcome. But maybe they should put an asterisk next to the invitation. Because the fine fine print, once you get in there, says, everyone welcome if you wear the kind of clothes we wear. I mean, I can remember in this church many years ago, and I know the culture was a little different whenever, you know, People started coming to church. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but if you were a woman and you showed up in jeans, you felt uncomfortable. I remember the first time that after I was here, I was just a kid, that we're inviting people who'd never been to church to come to church, and a lady showed up in jeans, a grown lady, and one of our little old ladies asked me, What are you going to do about that? It happened. I said, I'm not going to do anything about it. I mean, I mean, it's appropriate. I mean, she wasn't inappropriate. Uh, and then it was a little while later as different people started, you know, that, you know, didn't own a dress or people that just, you know, as long as you're appropriate, come on. And in a very, someone that I loved and someone that, 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 that I respected was bothered by it. And as I visited them, this lady told me, she says, not the same lady, it's a different one. And I loved him, but was concerned. And her concern was this, and I'm, I'm, I'm 23 years old. She says, I'm afraid what you're allowing to happen is going to cause our church to go to the dogs. That's what she told me. I'm, I hate to say it, but that's, that's true. See, a lot of pastors can go places and tell stories like that, and, and it would be, you know, they change churches so often, you would never know. I was here then. <laughs> and don't try to figure out who it was. 
But they had a genuine concern. But I have to say that some of these worked through that. I watched them work through that. Just like my granny. When I was just a teenager and started preaching. When I got up and preached in my cowboy boots. Somehow that was disrespectful to Jesus. Now I had a special way with granny. My great grandma. I just told her that if Jesus was here today, I guarantee you he would have had boots on. Because I wore boots all the time. Wore cowboy boots. Sure he would have. Sure he would have. So sometimes it's like welcome as long as you dress like, as long as you look like us. You know what I said one time that was very offensive? I probably shouldn't even say it again. But if we're not careful, we should, we should say, be honest and just say, some churches should be honest and this is like be the third time I've said this through the years, the last several years. We should say, everyone welcome. And then the fine print says, as long as you look like us and act like us and agree with all of our stuff. And then below that, you can put everybody else can just go to hell. That sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? But isn't that what's at stake here? This is for everyone and everyone needs to be saved. You know, as, as long as you, you know, fit that, that's where those, those sameness becomes the standard, which becomes the qualification. That's, that's the whole thing. Or, or, or now, you know, it could be like, and we've gone through, you know, different stages of this. Or, or how about this? Anyone who's not still struggling with an addiction. Because we want to hear that you crashed. It doesn't be embarrassing. No, no, we need to lock arms and be there because we're all going to stumble in different ways, Right? Right, And I'm going to tell you, as we reach out to those who are struggling through addiction, there's going to be some train wrecks happen. And because we're right there, we're going to get hit by some of the stuff. But if you love people, you walk through it with them. Oh, man, they've been going to church over there for two or three years, and then that happened. Well, y'all must not be helping people. No, no, that's okay. We will just want to stay there. We want to be there. We want to help people through stuff. Just like lots of us, you know, catapult back into greed and selfishness and lust and stuff like that, but nobody sees that. Not everybody sees it. So we have to be careful with, with these things. Or how about this? You know, okay, you know, you can come wear what's comfortable as long as, you know, you're not naked and you're appropriate, right? Um, but neck tattoos, come on. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I didn't know I was going to do that. Uh, you got to be kidding me. You know, I personally, they're not for me. But, you know, you, you, you should see how we do look at the outward surface and not at the heart. And you see somebody like that and say, hey, how are you doing? Good to have you here. How long have you been out of prison? <laughs> right, right. I've never been to prison. <laughs> okay, see, what I'm saying is, is, is we just judge things so much. And, and, and if we're not careful, um, we don't look below the surface. And we fail to be a part of what Jesus is doing. When he's out there saying anyone. And we find out anyone means everyone. Do we really believe that? Can we really make room for that? You know, we have a hard time. 
Because it's happened so many times in the old building, in this building, when some new families start coming to church and you come in from Sunday school because you were good and you were here for Sunday school, right? And you come, they're in your seat. What do you do? <laughs> you know, I grew up on a dairy farm and many of you did as well. And you know that a lot of times in the dairy barn, the cows like to go to the same stanchions, Right? And sometime, you know, something happens and, and you know, they, they just kind of go a little wild. They're not in the right spot. Start kicking and stomping, you know. Um, people I've always thought are a lot like cattle at times. We've got our stanchion and, and boy, if we're not in it, I just don't know if I can do this. I'm just going to go home, right? Because I'm not in my spot. Sometimes that can happen with us. You know, it's almost like, or, or I could keep going, but you want me to get through this, don't you? I mean, we can talk about styles of music. You know, I've even told people before, like, okay, we kind of blend styles of music here. So if you're stuck on that, you may not be happy. I'm just going to tell you right now. Another thing, Bible translation. Some people make a cult out of that. Out of, talk about false information on different things. There's a lot of false information on that. And I was a victim of it when I was young. And I was, as we say down south, eat up with it until I began to study and I began to understand the manuscripts. And I, and I began to realize that, you know, some of the stuff I've been told just ain't so. And some things have been misrepresented. And, but, but some people will use that as a barrier as well, right? I just feel like we need to communicate the gospel in the language that people actually speak, right? And, and so I'm not going to be hung up on, on what you want to use as long as it's a good, valid translation. But there's so many that you've got to pass all these tests, right? What denominational background are you? Because if you say nothing, that's okay. But if you say that, mm, right? We label each other. We do all this stuff. Jesus didn't do that. In fact... He tended to pick underdogs. He tended to pick people that no one else would get around. He, he tended to touch people that no one else would even get close to. He tended to let people touch him. And one lady who was of a horrible reputation actually washed his feet in front of one of the most judgmental Pharisees one day. That's the kind of person Jesus was. To touch and to influence lives. I think, I think there's one reason why some of these people would, why would, why would she feel, why would she risk going to Jesus like that? I think she just was so overwhelmed because she, unlike the big shots, realized who he was. And it didn't matter. And I think she knew that he would receive her and not cast her out. She knew that. She knew that. That's our Jesus that's the good news of the kingdom is for anyone and everyone. If we're not careful, we've got a gated community around here. We've got a gated community. That means it looks nice and we say, hey, everybody, welcome. But you've got to punch in the code for the gate to open, really, and get in. Right? Got to be careful with that. Got to be careful. Jesus tells a story. And in the story, he said... Jesus said the good news of the kingdom of God was like a seed that is sown. And in Matthew 13, that parable of the sower and the seed represents, you know, the, the sower represents us, the seed represents the gospel, and the sower sowed the seeds in all kinds of soil, right? Remember that? 
All kinds of soil. We're to sow the seed, right? Sow the seed. But we would rather judge soils, right? Instead of sowing the seed, we spend time trying to judge the soils. In that story, he, you know, he just sowed the seed. Sharing the gospel and trying to help people become disciples of Jesus is what the church is supposed to do. That is, why are we here? Why are we doing this? This is what it's about. This is what we do. Share the gospel with everyone. Anyone. And help anyone and everyone become a follower of Jesus Christ. No matter what their background. No, oh, oh. No matter what their political affiliation is. <gasps> Those people can't be saved. Yes, they can. Put up the barriers. You know, there's times we almost want people to become a follower of Jesus. This doesn't even make sense. We, we almost want them to start following Jesus before they even come to Jesus. Right? I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things in my life after all these years that as I'm reading the scriptures, it pops out there and it's like, you know, my life doesn't quite match up with that. My thinking or my actions, I need to change some things. But it's almost like some people, if you have this point of view or if you view this way on those issues, you're out. You have to fix that first. Why can't they find the answers and ask the questions? Here. And why can't we just be patient and let the Holy Spirit use us to help use the word of God and work in, and the Holy Spirit work in their hearts to guide them through this? It may take a little time to unlearn some things that we've been taught wrong. Talked to a guy the other day. He says, well, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to have doubts, you know, about the Bible and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, well, what church you grew up in? I haven't. Well, what, have you read the Bible much? No, not really. So you basically you're having doubts, but the only thing you're reading are books that talk about not believing the Bible. That's the only thing you read. No wonder you think that way. That's all you read. I said, you're not checking out the full story, buddy. I said, if you're going to have doubts, you need to look at some evidence that we sing about. It's all around us. Amen. Yeah, it is. So I challenged him about that. And all of a sudden he didn't want to talk about it no more. So it's kind of like, I want to live this way and I want to believe this way and I'm just going to find something that fits what I want. So basically, you're your own God. That's what happens with a lot of people. Well, we've got to be motivated to answer the questions, put in the time, sweat out those details, hang with people while they work through it because there's been some people like that that all of a sudden they stumble onto the truth and, and after years of fighting it and after years of running from it, receive it. And their lives be radically changed and God used them. One such person was a kid named Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> right? We should be motivated as a local body of believers to welcome and to love because we understand the invitations open. And we want to reach everyone we can with the gospel. Did you know that's why we built this building? To be a meeting place? It's not the church. We're the church. Did you know that's why, why we go to the trouble to have Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday nights? And, and you guys, Curtis, put in so much time and people fix a meal and serve people on Tuesday nights? 
Do you know that's why we do a meal on Wednesday nights to reach kids and reach families and bring people together? I mean, it's not just about food. And somebody did say one time through the years, it's like, you feel like, it asked me, why do you feel like every time we do something, we got to have food around here? And he quoted a verse from 1 Corinthians 11 about what? Have you not houses to eat in? It is in that verse. But it's because they were having wild, gluttonous, drunken parties. The Corinthians were. And, and, and Paul was trying to straighten them out. You don't come here and the poor people don't get to eat and you guys gorge. You've got to understand the situation. But we found out that we could minister to people that way. We sure could. Um, it's why we invest in providing a worship experience for kids. In kids' worship. As I've told many times, sometimes when I was a kid, the worship experience was not very pleasant. And, and I got into a lot of trouble. It was a bad experience. I can remember thinking, when I get old enough, I'm not going to do this. I believe in God, but I don't know I want to set through this kind of stuff, right? Um, but the only thing that helped me was we had Sunday school, and we had some dear, sweet little ladies that were very patient and very long-suffering and very understanding with me. And I got enough, and from my family, that when I got a little older, I understood the gospel. And God changed my heart and my attitude on all that. But that's one reason why we try to provide uh, an experience for our children and kids' worship that is rich and meaningful and powerful. That's why we are striving to provide resources for family discipleship. We don't want it to just be come here and, you know, one and done, you know. And we just have a service and we just go on and do us like we always do. We want to take this with us. And we want to give resources so that you can do that. That's why, that's why we have this D6 program. And, you know, we got stuff you can take with you. I always see these in the classrooms. I want to challenge teenagers. I want to challenge young people. These are like, this is from last quarter, but take it with you. Did you know that this is designed so that you don't just talk about it during class here? That it's got stuff for you to read. It's got articles. It's got Bible readings. It's got something for you to do every single day. It's got stuff written by people your age. I mean, you start taking, you ought to wear this out. By the time we get to the next quarter, you ought to wear this. You shouldn't lose it because you're using it every day. And you should bring it with you when you come. I want to tell you, that's when things started really changing for me. When I was a teenager, it's when, and we had a guy. No one would teach my class. No one would teach a class, boys. This old farmer. We couldn't even read very good. It wasn't very deep in all this stuff, but he, he did it. He, he, was, he was a good man. His name was Wilburn Lawrence. And during that time was the first time I started actually reading the lesson. And I started taking the book with me. And during the week, that's when things changed in my life. That's when it started happening. It wasn't some great message our pastor preached. It was Sunday school. And we've got all of that. And I want to challenge somebody to see if that will change your life. And even for the adults, you know, we're studying the same lessons that the kids are studying. So you have something you can talk about through the week. It's got even hints in here. If you've got kids at home, you've got this book. And the Bible lessons are in there. The Bible readings are in there. It's got articles that will help you with stuff you're going through. And it has little, little sections in here that help you talk to your kids about these things. Because they're studying the same lessons. If you don't have kids at home, you get this book. It's got the same lessons, but it's got different articles to help you. 
and help you learn about different things and face different, apply different things. These are things that you can take with you, you can have. That's why, see, it's because of this discipleship thing that, that we're trying to provide these resources, but you have to decide if you want to appropriate them or not and benefit by it. This is our mission here. So a lot of times we forget our purpose as a local church. What is a local church? It's supposed to be a community of believers, a local body of believers, of Christ followers, where each part is equally important as any other part. Every part of it has its function. And every one of us is dependent on the head and on Jesus Christ and on each other. And together, we take this open invitation to every nook and cranny on this planet. That's our mission. He said to go and make disciples, not of us, but of Jesus. I'm gonna wrap this up right here, okay? There's more, but we'll come back. When I help someone come to Jesus and I help them become a Christ follower, not just a fan, and help them get into the word and get rooted and grounded, I need to realize their walk might look a little different than mine. Their callings and their gifts will be different than mine. On the essentials of the clear things that the Bible teaches us and shows us, yeah, we're together on that. But everybody's not going to dot every I and cross every T like I do on the non-essential, non-spelled out things. Okay? All right? And I'm not going to judge them on that. So what I'm saying is we're making disciples and we're helping people become followers of Jesus, not followers of us. And we give each other a little slack. I find that I judge other people a lot differently than I judge myself. I mean, I give myself the benefit of the doubt a lot. And if I do something stupid, I'll know, yeah, but I didn't mean to, right? I didn't mean for that to be offensive. But when you do something, I judge your intentions a different way if I'm not careful. We gotta stop that. Gotta stop it. Gotta get sick of it. Are you sick of it? We need to be sick of it. We need to trust the Lord to help us to obey that command. To go make disciples for him. That's why we're here. And just to be honest, that's part of this purpose of us coming together. Worship and fellowship. And discipleship, instruction. And ministry that grows out of that. And then evangelism grows out of that. But if we're not doing these things, why are we here? Why are we meeting on Sunday? It's because it's the same old, same old, the thing we do. And then that sameness becomes our standard. And then it becomes our qualifications and it's not even scriptural. Sometimes the Lord needs to train wreck our thinking about things. And we need to realize that we are living in a world that's it's crazy. And the challenge right now is not to get caught up in the wrong things. Keep our focus on the kingdom of God. And what he told us to pray. Yeah, I'm going to be aware. And there's a lot of things going on in the whole world as well as in our country. I'm praying for leaders of our nation. I'm praying for all those protecting our country and our streets. 
But you know what? I've got to keep my focus on Jesus. That's my main activity. Because we're living in the last days, folks. And I think we don't realize how important time is right now. And I don't think we realize how short time is right now. This is not time. And that's the biggest, there's spiritual warfare happening that I'm feeling that I don't know that I've ever felt before. There are things going on. Paul said that we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're not wrestling with politicians and media people. It's principalities and powers of darkness. There's a real spiritual warfare going on behind the scenes. And we need to have on the full armor of God. And we need to be ready to go forward in these days and not retreat. Pray with me.